1: Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. Welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm here today with Mark Harvey, who is the founder of the Real Life brand. And within that, Mark, there is shed loads going on, isn't there? Property, coaching, businesses, you name it. There's a whole bunch in there, isn't there?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't always like that. But yeah, we've built a good, strong foundation over the years.
1: Fantastic. Well, listen, we're going to hear all about your story, because I know from uh, reading a little bit about you, and also I was very lucky to be on your podcast and your show recently as well. But um so Mark, I think life started for you with pretty humble beginnings. Um So maybe why don't you take us through the backstory um, and then where you are today. And we're just going to have a really interesting chat along the way, if that's all right, Mark.
0: Yeah, sure thing. So um, I'll just give you the highlights. A lot went on in my life. Um, but I grew up in a council estate. I've got three older sisters. And it was quite uh, common that uh, on the estate that low-income families and um, a lot of people are on benefits, things like that. That's kind of the environment that I grew up in uh it was quite common that people would like borrow things off each other when you say borrow really mean they just used to take it and like not bring it back Uh, but also hand-me-downs and like this is one thing that always came up so this is when people ask me about my background this is kind of in my head now which is like hand-me-downs was a normal thing but i got three older sisters so that wasn't that cool for me uh these were in the days where pink wasn't cool and I remember having pink trainers and I painted them with my dad because my dad was a builder he had this uh, bitumen like this tarmac stuff it's not tarmac it's like you know goes on the tarmac and I painted them black thinking yeah now I've got some cool black trainers uh but then playing football at school and like kicking the ball the black started to come off and the pink was shining through and and people would make fun of me Uh, And I don't think it was that thing, but like, I I was a very shy child, you know, I wouldn't communicate, you know, I didn't have much personality. And that carried on right through my teens, by the way, Uh, probably even to my early 20s. I was um, always reluctant to speak to people. And uh, yeah, when I got to like 18 plus, like to have conversations with people, I had to drink. And so that was the thing. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the drinking and a little bit later. But um, yeah, so growing up on a council estate, I always wanted to be a footballer. So I wouldn't listen at school. because so I was like, Yeah, I don't need to know anything because uh, I'm just going to be a footballer anyway. That's how I thought I was going to make my fortunes and have an impact on the world. Because when I was a young, like some of the athletes, they weren't the best role models. So it wasn't just the money, I just I did want to like, have a positive impact on people. But that didn't turn out. Uh, either when I left school, I was just working on a building site. Uh, Because that's, again, was my environment and um, working on a building site, making teas, doing all the laboring work, uh, loading out the bricks. I just kind of learned my craft in construction from that point. Uh, Call it the hard way or, or whatever way, but like, yeah, it was like on site, just do the job. You've got to work your way up and that's that
1: well so this is really fascinating backstory back because Mark you know anyone hearing you speak now would be shocked to hear that you were this shy kid that struggled with the communication and, and everything that you had going on so how did you get more confident in yourself but also in speaking and being able to engage people in in you know in the way that you do today what was it mm-hmm. was it a catalyst?
0: Um, there's probably a few points now uh, there's a saying that people go around saying and that is that practice makes perfect where some of my mentors they help me understand practice makes permanent you know because and it makes sense right like practice makes perfect i mean if i'm practicing badly i'm not going to become perfect unless perfectly bad is a thing Uh, so so like i realized that like. No matter what I'm doing at any point of the day, even right now, I'm either I'm, I'm either practicing playing all in and giving it everything I'm got, or I'm practicing playing small and um, and procrastinate. Like people pr- pr- practice procrastinating, they practice, you know, being upset. They practice being miserable. Some people practice being happy. Some people practice talking. Some people practice being quiet and inside themselves. So whatever it is, people practice. You can become permanent at it. And I think just a few events in my life um, always like it was quite a hostile environment on the estate and then the school I went to I suppose there's many people who have experiences at school where like it's you know they're like get laughed at in front of the class or you know they a teacher says something and someone like a teacher they have a lot of authority right they're standing at the front of the class and if they say you know I remember one time I was playing uh, cricket in the PE and uh, it was like an outsourced company that did it so they don't know the children right and, and i had long hair when i was a kid like one of those bowl cuts mm-hmm. and um, the guy who was running the cricket he said oh she he's to me like it's like oh she her turn or something like that and i was like oh hey i'm a boy uh, and my teacher of all people said well you shouldn't have a haircut like a girl then and i always remember that i was literally probably about only seven or eight years old at the time and um so these like a series of those type of things made me go inside myself. So then it wasn't until maybe um, I think about what 17, 18, 19, I started transitioning from working for other people on the building sites to then start my own business up. And I realized to do that, I've got to talk to people. So I just started doing that more and like we would be doing a job on a house and I would go start knocking on doors to say, oh, we're doing this. Do you need anything doing? Because at that point, like that was my way of like, that's how I'm gonna eat. That's how I got put food on the table. Um, That was in 2008 when the actual market crashed and then people weren't doing any work as well, but that's a whole other, you know, different story. But I I would say it was just from practicing and then going to networking events, going to seminars, workshops, uh, taking up opportunity as well. Like I'd always be the one like, uh, anybody want to volunteer, i would be like, I'm the last person that's like, like, I'm running out the door before I volunteer. Yeah, but then it slowly transitioned to like, who knows what could happen? What, what good things could happen? Uh, if I do volunteer, if I do put myself forward. So then that became my new practice. So to put it down simply, yeah, it's just the practice.
1: Yeah, and and I love that, you know, because I think what what your story shows is that regardless of background, actually, if you've got the right mindset, you prepared to take the action, take risks, push yourself out of your comfort zone, you can achieve anything. And actually, what might have in someone else's life maybe held them back you can use it to propel you forward can't you mark which i think was was sort of you know the, your your journey um can i can i th- can i sort of ask about being um, you had three older sisters so you were the baby in the family and the baby in my family as well but i've got two sisters so i was one of three girls whereas for you you were the only the only boy in the family apart from your dad how was that growing mm-hmm. up with three older sisters apart from having to wear the pink trainers which you then painted black
0: Yeah. So uh, my sister that's older than me is uh, seven years older than me. And then my other sisters, the other two, they're twins. So they're 14 years older than me. So like it was interesting because my older sisters were similar ages within like five years or so of some of my friend's parents. So, like, my, I was almost like a generation behind, you mm. know, cause my family's like, I was a lot older than uh, my friends and everything. Uh, but because of that, also, they moved out as well. So, like, at some point, I got pretty young, I think less than 10 or around 10, 11, around that age. I was then like an only child because then there was nobody around because my sisters had, uh, had moved out. Uh, but it was very like, you know, my family was like not, not like, you know, I'm not saying they didn't love me, of course they as love, but it wasn't like we would say I love you, there was no kissing, no hugging, you know, some like sometimes you just be walking by each other in the house, taking it for granted that you're in the same house, there would no, no be like special handshakes, like even after we all moved out, and we all got back together, it was Only through then I was practicing, you know, being around people, doing business, starting businesses and realized, wow, like first impressions count. Uh, But that was never like that before. It was like, just stay very small, contracted, almost be invisible. Don't trust anyone because there was a lot of like stealing, fighting, bullying. So it was like almost you always got one eye on who's going to hurt you, who's going to take something from you. Uh, so so that I think that kind of environment caused it to be very inward and, and like keep oneself to themselves.
1: Mm, yeah. And and with and with school mark, you know, that must have been quite a tough time for you then, um for various reasons. How 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 did you what was your coping mechanism at that time? Was it just to kind of retreat and just go into yourself or was it to focus on the sport which you were good at? What was your kind of like way that you you got through that tough time at school and education?
0: Yeah, so before 11 years old, uh, I was very quick because i got two phases of school and I'll explain why. Yeah, so before 11, I was very quick. So anyone wanted to, like, pick teams that had anything to do with sport, I was always picked because I was really quick, like a fast runner. Yeah, Um, but then at 11 years old, I had... Um, septic arthritis in my hip which is like where the fluid pushes the joint out so then they operated on that and then they put some kind of um, you know line in here to give me the medication and then when I went out I the operation they used different lines so this one got left so then I had some problem on my heart valve so at 11 they had to do open heart surgery and repl- then they took this thing off the valve and it was irreparable so they had to replace it with like an artificial valve. So I missed, I think it was year seven. I missed like pretty much that whole year. Wow. I was probably there for a month or so of that year. And that was the year that everyone's like hitting puberty, everyone's changing, everyone's growing. So I, I like what like New Year's Eve, believe it or not, I went into hospital. That was when I went into the hospital, New Year's Eve. And I came out in like you know May and then you know by the time May, June, it's a summer holiday. So I kind of missed that pretty much that year and then i came back and everyone's different like some of my friends that were my friends are now looking more like you know men and i'm still like this scrawny little kid uh so everything was different for me so then it took me a while to get back i never had the endurance back but then i became really skillful at football so then again people would be like yeah i want you on my side just because you're good not not because you're anything else so then when it came when sports became less relevant i realized i was actually a bit of a loner and not really Mm, you know like have any friends because I wasn't very talkative maybe I wasn't fun to be around like all those questions then start popping up in in a 15 16 year old kid's head right
1: Mm, yeah definitely god I mean I didn't know about the all the heart stuff at all um I mean that must have been really quite frightening both for you well for you and for your parents at the time then to to go through that um must have been must have been scary right
0: yeah I mean I remember the nurse coming out I was literally by myself one morning and not feeling good as a kid you don't really understand why you're not feeling good and they said yeah we they had a full body scan and they came back said we got the results and the woman was just standing there she said yeah um we're gonna have to do open heart surgery you know do you have any questions and as a kid it was literally the first thing that just came to my mind I said yeah will I die and like she started stuttering going oh well uh you know calm you know promise and like i didn't even hear anything she said after that because i was just thinking wow like you know i could die here um and that's as a 11 year old kid i don't think you could ever explain I, I don't even i can't even make sense of it now as an as an adult what i must have felt like then yeah
1: yeah, yeah. i mean that's extra that's like it's it's extreme trauma um i would expect i mean did it did that how did you come back from that then apart from physically just sort of having to recuperate was there any psychological damage do you think mark that stayed with you after that that you know from a trauma point of view or or not
0: i think there was a psychological change i wouldn't say damage because i think it's made me who i am today and one of my brother-in-laws um he said something that stuck with me and he he said like I can't remember the exact words, but he was pretty much said, because I've gone from this shy, you know, kid who was very kind of like uh, cautious and everything to like a little bit, like, I don't care now. You know, I can't remember the exact words that signify yeah. that, but he, he kind of witnessed that. He was like, Oh yeah, you're a lot more. I don't know what he was saying. But then when I think about it, I was like, yeah, he's right. Because I think at that point, I was just like, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I could die you know I could die I've got this valve how long do you know it lasts and there was a there was another kid I was in hospital with who was there the whole time and he was a lot older than me and you're supposed to move off the ward when you're 18 child's ward but because he'd been there his whole life pretty much they allowed him to stay and he was 18 and he died there in that ward across the room from where I was You know, so then I'm lying there and I'm witnessing this thing going on in that room as well. So I'm thinking, you know, like anybody, this time is up any time. Wow. So my my attitude to life changed at that point, just to be like, you know, just go and do it. Well, what's going to happen? Nothing.
1: Well, I guess if you're faced in a, with a situation like that, there's well, there's only one way to go, isn't there? And that's up, I guess. Or you know, if you face that, um, like you say, I th- I guess you appreciate time a lot more and the opportunities that come.
0: Mm, I think I just lived like in that mo- in the moment. You know, because I I spent a long time in a wheelchair, so like my body became like very weak, all those muscles that I built up over the years that was like making me, you know, fast and the endurance was just literally gone. You know, so I really had to start building it up and, you know, 12, 13-year-old, that's where, you know, the body starts changing anyway. So, yeah, I mean, that was really all interesting, but I definitely feel that journey from that point all through my teens, all the rest of the things that happen have made me who I am and given me the attitude that I've got about like never give up, keep going, push forward, no, you know nothing can stop us. It's only if we stop us, is where we'll be stopped kind of kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's talk about, I mean, that that's an incredible journey that you were on with in your formative years. And and now, you know, obviously you've got a very successful business. Well, not just one business, you've got multiple businesses. So talk us through wh- where you are now, Mark, with the businesses and, with, and um, with everything that you've got going on with Real Life Group as well, because there's a huge amount in here.
0: Mm. Yeah, so the transition uh, to get to that point, by the way, was like, i i just wasn't afraid of hard work and i just was it was drilled into me like stick to what you know because when i was in the construction we were making good money as a 90 year old kid I, I discovered price work which is anyone in the trades will know it's like you get paid based on what you do and this is this was like a dream to me because i was a young kid i was fit uh, at that point i was playing football like six days a week because i still wanted to be a footballer even all of the stuff that was against me You know 18 19 years old so like i was getting paid a pound a block sometimes me and my dad we was working together on sites he would put up the corners i would run in you know like so it was like a fit man's game right Mm. so i was making good money and then obviously the market crashed and And then I was like, what do I do? People said, oh, if you want to make lots of money, you need to get to sales. And there was all this negativity around sales. But no one else would give me a job. So the only people that got a job, I went to interview after interview after interview. Not good enough, not good enough, not good enough until a commission-only job. They made this job sound amazing. And it was uh, working like home improvements. You know, like you go in and get appointments. You sell windows. You sell kitchens. You do this. You do that. And it was like it, it was just commission only. So now I know I didn't know back then. I was like, yeah, there's little risk for them, you know, because it's all on me. But that's all I had. And it was like, if I didn't make sales, I didn't eat. And I had that my first child I had around that time as well, Courtney. So it was like, if we don't if we don't make sales, we don't eat. And that's that. Yeah, so.
1: there's a great saying, isn't there? And I think my my mum says this a lot. Necessity is the mother of invention. Um, which, which you know, in a situation like that, like you say, bloody hell! If you if you don't bring home the bacon, then there is no bacon to, to eat. You know, it's as simple as that. But um that you must have been really young then, Mark, as a as a, as a dad with your first child at that age. That, that's um, and I know you've got four children, haven't you now?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So yeah, I was about twenty-one. I think when she was born, twenty twenty-one, and. Um... But at that point, I, I like the word you just said. Yeah, it was an invention because like, I had no choice. I, I couldn't just sit back and be a shy little kid anymore. I had to step up and be like, I've got to get in front of people. Like, I've got to get knock on doors. I was the first person out there. I'll be the last person there. And I carried on that through various different you know roles and jobs until I found myself switching industry completely, going into the IT industry. Um, and then that's where my hard work seemed like it was paying off but I still had this little voice of like maybe it's just lucky maybe it wasn't you maybe you were just maybe it was the other people and like because I was part of this company the first five people we took it from literally nothing to over five million pounds worth of sales over a hundred people then was employed from that first five people it was amazing to be a part of that I learned a lot about business but I was working like 90 hours a week I would We were selling into not just UK, but US and actually other countries all over the world. But I would like to start at 8am in the morning, sell to UK, switch over about 3am to the East Coast of America, right over to the West Coast until 10 o'clock at night. So I was going to bed. I was leaving work before my kids was awake. I was getting back when they were in bed. And I literally convinced myself that this was the good life. Like this is... You know a businessman this is a successful person and i literally trapped myself in that life thinking that that's what i'm going to do until i retire whatever retirement is i wasn't even sure what retirement was at the time um but then uh then i started getting it so then i went to a different so i became a partner in a software company because the people they knew i would have just worked for a wage because we'd done so so good and we blew this company up as well So then i was like got a bit more confidence now thinking look if i was lucky that time it can't be just look this time you know this was failing till i came now i came now all of a sudden it's you know done millions of pounds worth of sales selling this exact same thing as it was before and the only thing that was different was me and one other person because it was the same team so then i got more belief then i then i realized wow the success in that previous one and this one and all my other things that i had done is training. And I realized i just got to train. I've got to train. And I've got to train the people. So if I want my business to be successful, my business is made up of people, then I better train the people. And that's when I really like, went hell for leather. And in the corporate industry, this is unheard of, That like we were training every day. Five days a week, we were trained. And some of the board members were like, come on, just get people on the phones and all the rest of it. And I don't know if it was cocky, arrogance, you know, or whatever, but I was just like, yeah, yeah, no worries, we'll do it. And I just carried on doing what we were doing, training the people every day, role-playing every day, training the every day, coming in with strategies, personally developing them, making them more confident. And it literally just blew up. And then a lot of people heard about me and they were saying, come and train my company. And I was sitting in front of rooms where people had just been told to be there. And then I went to a seminar one time, a thousand people were there. And I, I just took a look and it was one of those moments, you know, where as if time's in slow motion. And I was like, these people traveled all over the world to be here. It's, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's the weekend. You know, they're paying money to be here. And I was thinking, these are the people I want in my business. These are the people I want to train. Um, so then I started thinking, like, how do I build a business? How do I do that? And then I had I, done really good at boosting sales and blowing up sales in companies. So then... One time I'm in this company and this is how real life was born and I'm training them and and they're like being different people on the phone in front of clients than they are with each other. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you pretending to be someone else? Just be yourself. Mm. Like just be real. It's real life. And that's that phrase that they then hooked up on and they started like joking around with me saying, oh, real life sales training, RLST, they were calling it. And after a while, I said, like, "Actually, this sounds pretty good." And I, then I started to create training around this real-life sales training concept of like be yourself, be authentic, you know, be real, no trickery, no mirror matching, no you know manipulation. Just like be honest, find out what people need, and help them get it. And then, and then that's kind of where the principle of it. And that was the first thing under the real-life brand. But then, I started investing in property in the first. 18 months we built a portfolio of four and a half million. We use zero for our own money. Loads of people then were interested in that. Can you help me coach me? Train me. And we said like, no, 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 we don't do that. You know, I was building this sales business and marketing, training companies. Uh, and then in the end, loads of people doing it. I was like, okay, we did some coaching. And then I was like, okay, let's double the price, see if people still take it. Still people took it. Double the price again, double it again. I was like, this ain't working. <laughs> To stop people so then we said let's just do a training if 30 people show up to a training that would be good we can reach more people we can help more people quicker rather than this one-on-one But I did notice that one on one was the difference. So then I thought, okay, if we do a training and we're going to like people want the coaching, I've got to train some coaches. So then I started training coaches because I'm used to training leaders in businesses so they they can train other people Mm -hmm. as well. So I was like, okay, let's do a coaching. So I made this coaching program. I was like, okay, guys, we're going to do this because if people want to coach it. So anyway, we didn't even have a website. We literally just had a link that said come to this training program. Ninety seven pounds. That's all it was. And we sold sixty tickets with no website, and I was thinking, "Oh wow!" I was, I was nervous if thirty people were going to show up. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, we had to change the venue because the venue wouldn't hold the people anymore. And we sold one hundred and sixty-seven tickets for this training that had never been done before. Nobody even knew, you know, if it was going to be any good or not. <laughs> and um, anyway, it just totally blew up, and then that was kind of the beginning of the real life tribe and the community that we've got today. And yeah, just exploded. And hundreds of people have made multi million pound property portfolios making 10s of 1000s of cash flow, we have award ceremonies every year now. And that was literally 2018 uh, was the first event. So like, at at the very end, November, so like 18, 19, 20. Yeah, four years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, literally
0: only four years, which uh, is literally just exploded. And and in that, I've continued doing my property uh, portfolio, doing uh, deals uh, myself. We also, so then, so then, so then, I was like, okay, this is bigger than just me, right? This is bigger than my financial freedom. Let's train other people. Fine, but when I started training people, I realised. There was a lot of stuff we were undoing because we don't just do technical, we also do the personal development. And and that's a combination. And that is proved to be the difference, by the way, because people get the technical information. We give the technical information away for free. Mm. But it's like the personal side, like the transformation or who you are, you're the vehicle. And that's where we've seen people get the biggest results. So we were undoing a lot of things that people were kind of happening in their life. As, as we just discussed, like a lot of stuff happened to me and I realized I had to undo a lot of it. Mm. So I was like, why wait till then? Why don't, and then I started a foundation. I was just like, let's just open a charity. Let's train kids for free. So I started off doing that. And then it, that evolved into what is now called the WEC Center, which stands for Wellbeing and Education Center. And then one guy from the, one of the software companies, well, he, he worked for me. He posted on one of my posts and he said, I think I'll start talking more about spirituality and money and manifestation. And he said, I work for, for, for you know, I work with Fortune 500 companies. And if I talk this spiritual nonsense, they will have me hung. And that comment was in my mind for like days. And I don't know why I couldn't just let it go. I wasn't like angry or anything. And then I realized, I thought, you know, okay, people who want to be trained they'll pay for the training they'll pay for the coach and they want to be trained they're seeking it out people like me i was seeking it out kids we got the work center we got to grow those and all of that i was thinking but but these people in that sector let's call it the corporate sector i know not everyone is the same but let's call it that i was thinking they're never going to come to this they, they think it's a joke they think it's happy clappy stuff and you know, whatever. So I thought to myself, if they're not gonna come to this, then we're gonna take it to them. And that's when I came up with the idea of creating real life businesses and going into sectors where people are not taken care of, they're just a number, people don't care about them. And, and then my idea is to take over that industry and create companies that people wanna work for. So either everybody's gonna call cool work for us, or if you wanna stay in that industry, you gotta change too, as, a, as an organization. And then that became the method. So we went into construction because i had been in construction. I know they don't take care of people. Again, not everybody's the same, but the majority. And now that's why we're doing resorts, hotels, spas, restaurants, you know, other treatments, you know, events, venues, because that's another uh, industry where people don't get taken care of. And that mission is to create the ultimate environment to work, rest and play. So like this is my favorite mission right now, because it's like we're creating these things with workspaces, they've got spas, they've got gyms, they've got restaurants, we can teach people how to do meals, healthy meals, they can take ingredients home with them. Uh, They're going to be uh, workspaces where people could collaborate across multiple businesses, um, you know, nature walks and all the health stuff as well that will be involved in all of that. Uh, so yeah, that's how it all kind of transpired into all of the different things we're doing today.
1: Wow, it's, ma- it's massive, you know, and, and I think that belief, that self-belief that you had of just actually push out, give it a go and see where something might develop, is really powerful, really powerful. Um, and, and Mark, you know, when you were developing all of the new initiatives, were there any points where you thought, oh, my God, this just isn't going to work?
0: I don't think I would have ever said my phrase, it's not going to work, but there is plenty of times where I feel like... <sighs> you know, like, especially like some of the training stuff and always branching out more, more, more. I'm just thinking, you know what? I literally made more money doing my own property deals that don't really honestly take that much work. Like I got a lot more flexibility. I've got systems in place. I've got construction team to do it. I've got people who find me the deals who are part of my team that I train. Yeah. I've got people who manage the deals and I'm just thinking, why do I do this? And there's some days I just think, you know, forget it. Let's do this. But I actually mentioned this to one of my mentors one time and I was like, yeah, I'm just thinking I might even just go to the Czech Republic. Cause my partner is from the Czech Republic. I'm just thinking, I'm just going to go there, you know, close to a billionaire over there. So let me just go there. Yeah. And he, he, he literally just put a pin in it. He was like, Mark, let's face it. You're not going to do that. You can't sit still for more than two weeks. Yeah? So pretty much what he was saying is shut up whinging yeah, and let's get back on track and figure out what, uh, what we're doing here. Yeah.
1: No, that's right. And your, I mean, your ambition for for growth, you know, where where do you see yourself in 10, 20 years time then, Mark? You know, what's the, what's the big life purpose for you?
0: Yeah, the purpose is like, I want to, it's not about, I want to create. It's just that I want every being on the planet to be free financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And just, just live in harmony. So like in 10 years, we see that the uh resort the hotels and resorts will be global and the WEC centers will be global because like, the idea is a WEC center is going to be in each resort so like what's the reason people don't go to the gym or don't go to restaurants or don't do this or don't do that because of the kids well the center is going to take care of your kids so there's no excuse anymore yeah so i want to create literally the ultimate environment to work rest and play so people are working doing business following their pursuits their passions Uh, They'll rest, like restoration, restore themselves, take care of themselves, heal themselves, and they'll play, which is what we all love to do. But most people along the way, they just forgot that playing is a part of life and they got stuck in ruts and things like that. It happened to me and I witnessed thousands of people because I travel all over the world. I train thousands of people from all different countries and lifestyles and everything so like i I kind of got a lot of data of what's going on in the world so 10 years time that's where i see uh there will be everywhere like we have a five-year goal to be in uh, 13 resorts open in 10 different countries we thought it was going to be a stretch but now we've started to progress i actually think that we'll probably surpass that within the five years just because of how many people are interested in investing in this idea uh they can see that it's massive workspace and spas and restaurants and gyms and events and you know like community-style memberships. Uh investors love the annual predictable revenue. And uh, we already got a community, but we're gonna expand it to all of these different things. Uh, and plus we also figured I don't know why I didn't think of this because I'm training people all day on like rent to rent and I just thought why don't we rent to rent a hotel so then I looked into it and I was like wow some of the biggest names out there are leasing hotels they don't- we <laughs> don't even own them. I was thinking, why didn't I think of this before? So, like, one of the rent-to-rents, rent to you know, we're used to people making a thousand pound or whatever, and we're we're like, wow, one of our rent-to-rents we're working on. They call it a rent-to-rent, rent, but it's obviously a hotel. He's going to turn over three point one million pounds as soon as we take it over. It's just like, yeah, that's a giant rent-to-rent uh, rent right there
1: yeah right. <laughs> well it's it's really interesting actually because I spent most of my career in the travel industry and of course I've got property and all the other things that I do but but you're right the terminology actually I've never thought of rent to rent in the context of hotels and that's exactly what management contracts are you know and it's um it's an interesting perspective. But what I love actually Mark about what you're talking around is um I think the lines between work and leisure, and retreat and mindfulness are becoming much more blurred. And, and I think probably that's one of the things that COVID has, has actually kind of meant that people have, have less definition between work and, and kind of personal stuff. And, and actually, you know, the whole kind of mental well-being I think is critical um for anyone to be able to be the best version of themselves. um So I think you, you've got a really great concept there that's, that's <clears> going to really, um that can can definitely you know scale up and grow, and and when it comes to let's just go back to the sales training, because for a lot of people, the thought of selling is like a dirty word. You know, yeah. it's it's not got the best reputation in in the world, has it? Being a salesman, it has this aspect of. I'm not saying this is my opinion, by the way, but um, a lot of people one they the sort of the the perception is that it's all a little bit like hard sell, push push push. Um, but actually very often the reality is that people want to buy they just don't like being sold to um, so so what's the difference in the sales training that you do that helps people get over the psychological barrier of selling and being good at selling versus maybe some of the old perceptions of what would make a good salesperson
0: mm, it's definitely a mindset shift it's a great question like today like you asked me like, what's my purpose or what's my overall goal and it's like everyone on the planet be free financially physically mentally, emotionally spiritually but one time my goal was i want to change the world's perception of sales because if you look at it but like sales makes the world go round uh, and and just because of a few corrupt people along the way and a few people who weren't trained this this is the problem they weren't trained in the first place that's why they were pushy trying to push the wrong product on you not listening to you don't ask you questions and it's crazy yeah so like the difference is a mindset shift from like okay so i always ask this question i'm like how many of you want to help other people yeah and people say yeah yeah i want to help other people okay so if you want to help other people yeah who would like to increase their ability to help other people right now one thousand percent would you like to do that yeah and they say yeah of course yeah and I asked do you even think it's possible I could do that you know people say yeah but I'm thinking you don't think it's possible but you're just playing along which is fine I say okay so increase your ability to help other people by doing this one thing be willing to be helped because people are not willing to be helped yeah so when I walk into a shop many years ago and people are all like, oh, right. I try and avoid them walking in the wrong direction pretend I didn't hear them. And a lot of people, they do that. Now I walk into the shop and I'm looking for someone. I'm like, can you please, tell, I know what I want. You know, please tell me where it is. Or what do you think of this? You know, or let me, you know, I want to buy this for my 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 wife. Like, you know, tell me, you know, what do you think of it? Like, I don't know, like just, the people in the shop are gonna be better than me, Hope, hopefully. <laughs> anyway, hopefully. Yeah, so, so then sales is the same thing. Sales, I narrow down to finding out what people need and giving it to them. And this is the, like, the little thing we say you know, in our community. That's what it's about. That's why people in our property community are so successful, because they are open to finding out what people need and giving it to them, which is selling, which some people think is a dirty word, and that's fine. That's up to them. But like, ultimately, if you want to improve your ability to sell, then be willing to be sold which is the same as you want to help more people, then be willing to be helped. Mm. And like people say, oh, you know, hard sell or whatever. I don't know what that actually means. I will never convince anybody to do anything they don't want to do. Never. I won't even waste my time. Persuade someone? Absolutely. I need persuading. You know, I'm a procrastinator. I'm like, oh, should I buy that? Should I not buy it? I could spend, you know, 20 minutes in a shot wasting my time. Everyone needs one to just say, do you like it? Well, yeah, I do like it. Can you see yourself wearing it? Yeah, I can. Okay, so get it then. Okay, boom, I just saved 20 minutes. Yeah, and it's like, the problem is, when the thing is not right for the person and they're trying to shove it on the person. You know, you walk into a shop and they're just like, hey, Yeah, buy this, this is the best car, buy the car, you'll go da, 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 da And they're not even asking me a question, like what cars do you like? How many family members do you have? Where do you travel? You know, what kind of traveling you do. Like, oh, maybe these maybe these set of cars might be best for you. What do you think of this? What do you and like just asking questions to find out what somebody actually wants. Yeah, and, and when you and when you take the pressure off of like must get the sale must get the sale must get the sale I tell you one of the biggest differences I, uh, that I did that I came up with was you know like there was this saying called commission breath and it's like your client can smell the commission breath like you tr- like you spent your commission before you even made the sale and they know all you care about is a sale so I ca- I created this sales process that went past the sale like it went past the sale into measuring the success and the results that the clients get that way. It took the person's brain past the close part. Mm. And and that was one of the biggest differences because now people are not just focused on, Oh, let me just get it over the line. It's like, I've got to get over the line, produce results, which ultimately is what people are buying. You know, you know, you're buying a result. Like any, anytime anybody buys anything it's like that old analogy you're not buying a drill you're buying the hole yeah or you're buying the put your furniture together faster not the drill you know so just as an analogy so when we did that and people took the pressure off themselves it's like i just got to ask questions and see if we're a good fit or not then they could be more of themselves because they're not focused on like oh i'm going to say something wrong what about this what about that how will i come across it's like you'd come across as yourself Use a framework to just go through a process, which is find out what people need, help them get it, help them understand it. you know, what this is all about, and they'll make the decision themselves. Mm. And then, um, you know, measure the results to then you use those results to go get more clients, because now you understand more of what problems you can solve, what results people get, and people buy the result anyway. So, yeah. that, so that was the biggest thing.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a really great takeout actually. That mental shift, absolutely. And 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 I, you know, I think selling is serving. You know, there are so many people actually who've got great knowledge, experience. It would be a crime not to share that and help other people also achieve financial freedom or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, and I, I do genuinely think if you can lead with value, and and be a good person and help that other person, even if they don't buy something from you. It doesn't matter because you you've you've led with value, you've led with kindness, with integrity, honesty. And you know, very often those people remember that and it will come back to you. You know, the law of reciprocity, I think, has a way of working its magic mark over time, yeah. you know.
0: And I tell you something, in the second software company that I built, I never remember I never forget this because this was like I I was so kind of jacked up with confidence at this point of producing results, winning the biggest contracts, building the best teams. And at this point I was selling over 63 different countries. I built a French team. I don't even speak French. I don't even know what they were saying to the clients. That's how robust these systems were and these these frameworks because we were still doing, like that team did over a million pounds from nothing. Like we we had nothing. Um, and, and I remember one client, I was finding out what they need, finding out what they need. And then it was like, you know what? I don't think this is you know, the best thing. In fact, I know this company, which was a competitor because we used to go to shows and I would know the competitors from the shows. I say, you know, go to these guys because these guys are going to do it. Yeah, this guy gave us a test. This was the first client I ever got a testimonial off for not buying. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when i realized i was like this really works like this guy gave us a testimonial a success story of how well i was prepared to understand their needs and point them in a different direction so i lost the sale because i could have got the sale i could have like i could have convinced them but it wasn't the right thing to do yeah Yeah? and and that point was a real turning point where i was thinking yeah this is the game this is this is the game to play, like, just figure out what they want and find out if we're a match. And if we are, then I'll go hard. I don't mind persuading people to say, come on, like, come on, let's stop procrastinating. Let's make a decision. Make a decision now. Mm. Yeah, I don't mind doing that, but only when I know it's right.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's the integrity piece, isn't it? You know, and, and knowing that, that what you're offering is going to make their lives better.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing. People might say, well, how do you know it's right? They tell me. I don't decide where it's right for the client. I ask questions to get them to tell me, is it the right thing? Do you want to do it? Yeah, Cause what's the most thing that stops stop people time and money. Yeah. Okay. So if you had all the time in the world, and money wasn't a problem. Would you do this? Yeah. Would you do it? Yeah. Why would you do it? And they tell me all the reasons why they would do it. And I'll say, well, is that enough of a reason for you to do it? Well, yeah, it is. Okay. So now we just got to figure it out. Now I know you just got some, you know, past experience stopping you, some bad memory, some other time you've messed up and you think you're going to mess up again. So uh, they've already told me it's the thing they want to do. So now it's my job to help them get it. And it's my duty to do so. If I let them go back into, let's call it the wild, who knows what's going to happen? Like It's my duty to now make sure they get this thing, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's some brilliant advice there. I love that. Thank you, Mark. And and with property, obviously, you've now got an extensive portfolio, um, which is great. Did you start um, with smaller deals and then build your way up, Mark? Or did you just go kind of go big or go home right from the beginning? Because there are different ways of doing it. Um, as, as we all know, different types of strategies. Some people prefer to, you know, cut their teeth, get going, make all the mistakes on the smaller stuff and then kind of gain confidence and scale up. But other people prefer to just go in, all in, and and almost have a burning platform to make it a success because they've taken a bigger risk. What's been the approach you've taken with your property business?
0: Yeah, good question. So, like, yeah, we were advised in the beginning, start small, go slow, don't do that. You know, we were showing, like, oh, we want to buy this. Oh, no, that's too much for your first one and all the rest of it. Uh, We ended up doing one flip and six HMOs, so seven deals, pretty much all at the same time. Started in January 17, got an offer accepted. February, lost it. Finally completed in August. Six weeks after that, there were six more deals got accepted. So it was just like a rolling basis. Yeah, and what are the? I don't know if that was a freak accident or on purpose or what. But people say, like doing multiple deals is risky. Well, I've trained hundreds of people now, and I know one doing one deal is risky. Do it because if that one deal goes wrong, and you talk about like make mistakes and all the rest of it, if you do just one big deal and that goes wrong, what are you going to do? If you're doing loads of big deals or you're doing loads of small deals, whatever people class as big and small, it's obviously uh, you know in their own perception. It's like I remember one time we were building this house, new house, and the it was terrible winter and it was flooded and everything and we had to get pumps on site and it was a mess and the qs came out the qs is the guy from the who works for the bank to say yeah they've done this much work pay them and he, he said, no, we, uh, no way have you done this much work. And actually then the report came back and said, we're pulling the funding. So we owed the builder 30 grand and they're like dragging their ass as it is because of like, it's so tough. And they've had to front all of this money themselves for the foundations, the digger work, taking out trees. And they were just like, yeah, we're not paying, not only we're not paying this money, we ain't funding the rest of it for you. So if it wasn't for, we were doing another flip and it was nearly finished. So then we got something called a sales bridge. So like refinanced it because we couldn't wait for it to sell because that could take weeks. So we refinanced it, pulled the money out, paid the thirty k. Why we then found out another development finance company to come and fund the rest of the deal. Like if we didn't do that, we'd have been absolutely screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just one of many different examples where and one deal has saved another deal. You know, so like running multiple deals at the same time is what we train. Like, I don't tell anybody what to do, but we share frameworks, we share concepts and, you know, people will will coach out of them and people will do whatever their, um, threshold of whatever it is they want to do if you get what I mean the threshold yeah. of risk, the threshold of activity is totally down to them but ultimately the people who embrace the journey the most they're the ones that grow the quickest they're the ones that grow and like mistakes don't even look like mistakes it just looks like oh yeah that was just something that we had to deal with on that day
1: yeah. <laughs> well I think I think with property it's not always easy. Things go wrong, you know, and that's just that's just business, that's life, isn't it? But it's it's interesting how you, you so many people say, Oh, I'm never doing another one. Bloody hell, that project nearly killed me. And then like within a space of a very short space of time, you're like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm just about to go and do a new deal over here. You almost forget the pain sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um good stop
0: people though.
1: It can stop people
0: you're absolutely right it stopped many stop many people yeah. because this is a philosophy i take it's not if it is not if it is when it goes wrong and that's where the combination of our technical strategies and technical development and the personal development combine is the savior because without the personal development without knowing who you are without knowing how to keep the mindset had To be, you know, dealing with the because we say, I remember I, I interviewed someone called Sharon Letcher, probably heard of her. She was rich dad, poor dad, uh, co founder, she was p- business partner of K- Kiyosaki. She uh, written the uh, in the devil. She said to me, she said, Balance the only place for balance is, um, the only place for balance is the yoga studio. And that's when I came up with this philosophy, which was like, yeah, it's not about balance, it's about getting your surfboard out and riding the waves and like from then i just like this is my concept it's like look it's gonna go wrong you can either fight the waves and people will relate to this feel exhausted feel tired want to give up angry frustrated mood swings and all of that because that's you trying to fight the waves or you pull out your surfboard you put a big smile on your face and you enjoy it because it's happening anyway so why fight it it's happening And then people solve things quicker, they make more money, they have a better experience, and and they go on to create big impact for for themselves, their family, and and some people who we work with have gone on to do some amazing things for business and charity and and everything.
1: Yeah, brilliant. I love that. So let's talk about enjoying the ride along the way. Right. Because I think so often we're we're focused on the end goal, aren't we? What next? What next? You know, big ambitions, growth. And then when you get to that, oh, that's not enough either. It's on to the next thing, on to the next thing, which happens with ambitious people. Right. And so I'm not saying that's right or wrong but i think one of the things that can often happen as a result of that is that you don't enjoy the ride along the way you you miss you miss what's going on here and now um and at the end of the day yesterday is gone and tomorrow's not arrived so all you have is now in reality so talk to me about your attitude to sort of progress and hitting a goal versus enjoying the ride along the way with your surfboard out
0: Mm. but i think the best way to explain it and and help people understand so they can start implementing it themselves is it's a muscle like what happens if you don't work a muscle gets weak yeah well you don't work the muscle properly you get hurt so like this is the same thing and i think a lot of people they forget how to play and celebrate so like playing and celebrate Like some of our team members are so mischievous while we're doing meetings, but, but it doesn't distract, it enhances, it builds stronger relationships. So like the muscle is, and I'm constantly working at this all the time because I can be the one who's like, guys, we've got to get this done. Come on, we're going to make this happen. Why is it so I can slip into that mode and I need people, people don't say, I want to be around like-minded people. That's dangerous and i'll explain why that's dangerous because like-minded people when everything's going well everyone's like-minded everyone's happy but like-minded people when everything's going downhill then they're all going downhill together so you get dragged down by each other you know you want to not be around like-minded people you want to be around trained people so like trained people that when someone is triggered when someone is having a bit of a you know meltdown or whatever that they can ask the right questions to help pull you back so i want to be around people who could be like. Let's not forget to celebrate that. Come on, let's celebrate that. Well, what did work? Like, so when I'm negative, and I was walking up, I actually had my business partners came to watch me play tennis recently, and I've got a hundred percent record in tennis of losing. Yeah, <laughs> so I lost, I lost every single game. It's my it's my little mission. I'm playing at like higher level tournaments, and and I actually won my first game the other day um in just a single match yeah congratulations um, thank you so i was coming off and i was like i wasn't happy with this oh my god i should have beat this person and she was there she was like so what did work then and as soon as she said those words because that's our that's our framework like let's start with what worked. what did not work what could we do different and i was just like bam i need to be around trained people other people like-minded they could be like yeah you know these people it's no good da-da-da-da. but this person was like no let's focus on what worked so I want to be around trained people. So surfing the waves is—you've got to be around trained people. Your organisation's got to be trained. You've got to be trained because when it hits the fan, you've got to be able to pull that surfboard out, put a smile on your face. And I don't mean be like oblivious to to stuff that's going on. You can't just be like, "I'm not participating in global, you know, crashes." can't just that doesn't work like like if if a market is changing you can't just say i'm not participating in the recession but you've got to be like okay so it's going to be some waves here how do we how do we stay focused how do we stay alert and capitalize on opportunities how do we change direction super quickly and get on top of things come up with new things launch new products but at the end of the day a product needs to be something that solves the problem so what's the problem let's solve that problem and let's market the hell out of it so more people know about it so we can help more people uh so so like and but, but like celebrating in the moment i tell you one of the things and this is not going to be everyone's tool but my children they help me because every time they ask me for something and and i say yes to them they're like yes And I'm just thinking always, I'm like, wow, you celebrate everything, right? This is what I'm teaching. This is what I'm living myself. So they're a great reminder. And when I surround myself with other people who are always celebrating, it always constantly reminds me to celebrate, play, enjoy, be in the moment. I have an amazing partner, wife. I call her my wife. I I tell her I don't need the government's permission to call you my wife. (laughs) Yeah. So so, so she's always like... Cause I'm always like, yeah, the future, this, you know, the the resorts. We go in this country, that country, and, and she's like, yeah, but what about now? And it always just brings me back to LA. Yeah, wow, like now is so amazing. Like, yeah, wonderful weather, windy, you know.
1: <laughs> well, but
0: enjoy it, but enjoy yeah. it. So it's absolutely just about enjoying it.
1: Yeah, brilliant! And you've achieved so much, Mark. Honestly, I love your energy. You know, you're infectious, and I, I just find that the what you, the vibe you give off, makes people, I'm sure, feel they can take on the world. And, you know, because there aren't any barriers, actually, apart from the barriers often that we put in, in our own head that hold us back. Um, and, of course, that doesn't mean to say there aren't problems and challenges and things will go wrong. You know, that's that's normal. But actually, if you believe in yourself and you, you're you prepared to put the effort in and really push forward, um, you can achieve anything. And I think that that approach you have really instills that in people to give them confidence um, so yeah, well done you. Um, what's next for What's next for 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 Mark and his his gang in the next twelve months? We're we're coming into um, a new year, which is always a good time for reflection. And we've talked about the long game. What about the next sort of year, next couple of years for you with the business and and yeah. property and everything that you have going on.
0: I want to answer that question but i also just want to give someone like anybody who wants to have their own infectious energy themselves just just one question that they can ask themselves and i came up with this a while ago so like all you need to is find someone that you look up to is already doing what you want to do so like one of the people i have many but one of the people richard branson what he's done with virgin group is what i want to do with real life which is like just create all of these companies that people want to work for you know, I wanna do my version of that. But th- this guy has built $12 billion companies. So at times where I need more inspiration or I need to keep going, or I may not, I got stuck or something. I just ask myself this question. What's the difference between me and him? The is nothing, just the way he thinks. He's not like physically stronger. And so what if he was, it don't make any difference. You know, like, and if you read the stories about him, like he's had all the tribulations as well. So I just find someone that, are, that is doing that's doing good in whatever area. Not that I want to compete or no, not, nothing like that. Just and ask myself, what's the difference between me and him? And I'll always ask people, I sit them down when we're working together. I'll be like, okay, we, we're going to build, you know, the best hotels. Who, who are the best hoteliers? Let's have a look at them. Hilton, Marriott. Okay, let's have a look at them. What's the difference between these people and us? Nothing okay good so we got all we need you know we're just where we are they're just where where they're at so that's just a good question but so to answer your other question answer answer your other question what are we doing yeah so what we're doing is oh my goodness the resorts is the future uh we're in right now we're just in a funding round where we're raising a hundred million uh i want to try and push it to 200 million in the year 2023 which will be to just go wildfire with these things because again it's the ultimate environment to work rest in place so we're going to have workspaces spas gyms restaurants uh restaurants where people dine but also there'll be like a mindful kitchen as well it's going to be called mindful kitchen where people can learn how to create awesome healthy foods uh, it's going to be like it's going to teach them more about foods as well they'll be like educational stuff on the menus of like, what's this good for? This, this got this ingredients. It's good for immune system. It's good for this, it's good for that. And uh, all of that, and um, yeah, we're gonna be launched. So we're gonna be launching, multi- we're building an executive team to cater for multi-location as well. And we're gonna build the future when it comes to like venues. So like live in person, but also in-built virtual as well. So people could do hybrid, um, conferences corporate conferences um i wouldn't like to see weddings go hybrid but like for some reason that just (laughs) that just came to my mind (laughs) yeah so like but like training events community gatherings celebrations you know just ways to spread the love spread the word um and again these ultimate environments are for like discovering and developing financial physical mental emotional and spiritual so we've got loads of things like breathing meditations healing work sound baths fire ceremonies uh uh, natural lake swimming earthing like all of these stuff that some people think are crazy but like it's all going to be there so it literally is going to be building the ultimate environment that's my favorite thing we're going to be expanding the construction side of things as well and um, i'm just really focused on that And kind of inspiring people to believe in themselves that they can literally build this world where everybody can be free in those five freedoms.
1: Amazing. Well, there's so much in here. And and the whole sort of, you know, well-being side of things, Mark, you you mentioned earlier, um, and I'll come to my final questions in a minute, but I don't want to miss this point. You mentioned about alcohol earlier and and kind of you and you're talking about well-being and mindfulness and healthy eating and diet and nutrition and all of that good stuff so is that is this a a contrast to maybe the early you know the younger mark the teenage mark the the mark in his early 20s versus today where you're much more kind of conscious of of the impacts of stuff like that
0: for sure and like my experience as being like I I already knew what to do I knew not to eat rubbish foods I knew alcohol wasn't good for me yeah I knew all the stuff I was doing was not good but like I had to go through these stages of evolving you know so at one point I was like right that's it no more meat and I just didn't eat meat and then and then I went and ate meat for about two or three weeks and then and then it was like bam not only just meat now no no animal products at all and then, like, I was at like, 95% vegan, but then, like, it's progressed, progressed, progressed to, like, you know, being more healthy. And I feel the fittest and the strongest that I ever did. I started playing tennis 18 weeks ago, and I've been training. I want to go with Wimbledon. Some people, like, have been following that journey. They think it's crazy, but that's okay. Um, but So then the alcohol thing as well, just one day I, I was there, and I was having a good conversation. and I had a few drinks, and then I started to, like, slur my words a little bit, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. And I was thinking, why am I drinking? And I thought about it the day after. I was like, why was I drinking? Well, I used to drink because I couldn't talk to people. So I just needed to get drunk quick because then I would not care. And then I would just be able to socialize. And I was like, but I don't have that problem no more. So why am I drinking? And I realized it's like so conditioned that like celebrations, birthdays, Christmas, you go anywhere and you look at it, it looks fantastic, mirror, crystal. So then I started thinking, you know what? I don't want to drink anymore. So I'm going to make my drinks look cool. I'm going to drink water out of a champagne glass. I'm going to drink ginger ale or ginger beer, non-alcoholic, out of like gin glasses. And I started doing that and it reconditioned the way I thought. And now I don't, since, Yeah, it was 2021 November, I haven't drank alcohol. And it's amazing. You know, sometimes I had like parties to go to Christmases, New Year's, holidays, like these were all the phases where I thought, if I could get by this, then then I'm good. If I get by this, then I'm good. And so I've been through it all now. And I just realized I never want to drink again. And I've got nothing against anybody who does drink. It's just that like, I think they invite like we don't know there's other choices there's other amazing natural sub substances that we can drink you know ginger shots chili shots like all of these things that we're working on i mean we've been the best part of these resorts, by the way as i've been traveling all over the world and it's a tough job but someone's got to do it i have to go find the best spas the best gyms the best you know resorts the best foods and that's what i've been researching me and the team have been researching and figuring out like what is it we want to do what are the best places like how can we set it up so it is the environment so people can go through this o- evolution quicker than me you know because it took me 35 you know 30, the best part of 30, 35 years to like go through these different stages but really it happened in the last i would say five six years so how how could people start to be around to feel the best you know because you know how awesome it is not that I see other people suffer but I was like oh why this guy don't look too well why is that and then I was like oh yeah I forgot like I'm on I'm in a resort and people are drinking every day in these resorts and I think oh yeah because I forgot I forgot what it's like to have a hangover you know? <laughs> so, so like yeah um, so it's that evolution and creating that environment where people can just pick up on these different aspects of life as and when you know they want to but like we're all a product of the environment so that's why the environment the ultimate environment to work rest in play is so key.
1: Yeah, brilliant! I love that. I just didn't want to miss the point, uh, Mark, as you mentioned it earlier. So yeah, thanks for sharing. That's um, that's really cool. So there's always an alternative way if you choose to, right? And we're all we're all different, aren't we? We're all individuals. But yeah, that's inspiring as well. So, Mark, when you look back over your illustrious business life, career, personal life, um, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've been given?
0: I think the best personal advice, if I was able to sum it up, you know, all the little intricacies that have been said to me. And I remember one, Blair Singer has been a big influence in my business life, in my life in terms of helping people, training people. And I remember I took a question to him once about, oh, you know, this person, you know, he's been saying he's got to come to my event. And he's just like, he, he, he was just like, do you know how to handle it? Okay, do it. And it's kind of sums it up to that, like, you know, just trust in myself, you know, just trust the process. And then kind of all these other pieces of wisdom that I've gathered over the years would just be like, look, everything is happening for a reason, on purpose, and it's there to teach me something. And if I pay attention to it, I will learn and I will move on. If I deny it in some way, it will keep happening over and over and over again, and pro- probably get more painful because i'm not paying attention to something so like so the the advice is really it's just like be aware be in the moment be present and uh that's that's and just be open and and i came up with a saying i don't know if i heard it or i made it up or what but it was like uh, uh, it came from like yeah like when i think i know i definitely don't But when I realize that I know nothing, that's when I'm intelligent. And that saying means to me is like, as soon as I know, I close off everything else. Where if I realize I know nothing, I'm open to everything. And that allows me to be aware and respond and, and make decisions very quickly based on whatever's going on, not something from the past. So I'll say that's probably sums up the best advice.
1: Brilliant, powerful stuff. And have you ever had any bad advice, Mark, that's not gone so well?
0: Again, I think I'm quite fortunate to maybe have been a little bit delusional, maybe arrogant, maybe, uh, I don't know, cocky, where people have like, told me not to do stuff and I just do it anyway. Like when I was leaving the building trade, going into you know, knocking on doors and people like, oh, that's no good. Stick to what you know. You'll never leave this trade and all the rest of it. And I just used to have this strategy called the smile and nod strategy. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, okay, yeah, just a smile and nod. No, don't, don't, don't argue it. Don't try and go against it. But in my head, just like knuckle down and go for it. So, yeah, I've had plenty of advices saying don't do it. Play cool. Don't trust anyone. Uh, just do an honest day's pay. Get an honest day's work rather than you know, go and explore new ways and and evolve with the time. So I think any advice where it said stick with what you know, stay where you are, you know, slow down, don't do this, don't do that, don't make that noise, you know, any of that stuff that, that all of that is anything that's not in alignment with like growth, abundance, prosperity, giving, serving anything that's not in alignment, that is bad advice, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I don't fully agree with you, 100%. And Mark, the podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant. So what does that mean to you?
0: Brave, bold and brilliant. That says to me that when you trust yourself and you just do it anyway, like Nike says, just do it, then uh, brilliance is born
1: fantastic i love that mark honestly it's been great chatting to you it's really been a joy so thank you so much i really appreciate it
0: yeah absolute pleasure great questions and uh yeah thank you for what you're doing and spreading the light and it was a pleasure to be here
1: oh fantastic thanks mark i really hope you've enjoyed brave bold brilliant don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends and if you've enjoyed listening i'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review